What's going on, you guys? It's your Huggable Hipster here, and welcome back to another podcast. Now, for those of you who were not at the stream, which, by the way, you guys need to follow my stream pronto, it's uh, at Huggable Hipster Gaming on Twitch.tv, uh, you guys missed the announcement where I completely rebranded the streams, the podcasts, whatever you want to call them, to the name Aesthetically Techie, which you guys can now find on Spotify. Rains down applause everywhere. So you guys aren't seeing my face, you're just hearing my voice. And today we have one of my good friends and actually a recent follower to the channel and everything, which I'm really excited of how fast of a friendship we we're able to build. Please welcome my friend, Max. Max, how you doing, dude? I'm cold, but I'm alive. I consider that a win. <laughs> Yes, exactly. I mean, same. It's 30 degrees right now in New York. My toes feel like they're about to fall off, but let's get this gluten-free bread, right? <laughs> uh, I've got a gluten-free blanket. I'm under a blanket. I'm keeping warm. Oh, so you're like a burrito right now. You're all wrapped up. You're ready to go. Kind of. At least on my lower half. I've got my hands free to have access to the PC and everything. But yeah, no, it's all good. Oh, okay. You see, no, the, uh, this is actually something I wanted to mention before. Max not only just got a PS5, but he just got a PC. <laughs> I feel like I, I can brag for you because right now I'm so proud of the fact that you got both like systems. I'm just so happy for you right now. Yeah, it's, it, it happened from complete luck, purely for the fact that Sony decided to do all of their fan base solid and make the PS5 reasonably priced for either one. And I went for the disc version because I have so many physical games. Plus, I'm a physical game man. I believe in physical copies of games over digital. Yes. And yeah, that's, that that's is a win. a win, definitely. So I saved up like 800 pounds. I was willing to pay seven. I was expecting 700, but I saved up 800 just in case because I was expecting, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, before we need the price, it was the next gen consoles. And everyone was like, it's going to be so expensive. But then they dropped then they dropped that right. four hundred and fifty pound price, and I'm like, ah, oh, crap! I've got like nearly four hundred quid left over. I don't know what to do with it. So and look, yeah, it's just one of those things of where like I was not expecting. <laughs> so that. then I looked around and I saw some deals going on for like PCs and things, and I suddenly thought I would really love to see the difference between you know games coming out with how they're going to run on PlayStation and you know pc so and i found one that was going for a decent deal from one of england's most highest rated um manufacturers and i was like the hell of it why not so i did it <laughs> and it was love at first pc oh it totally was <laughs> like you know i played the ghost runner demo and it looked beautiful and then i found out you could like upgrade the graphics even more in an experimental mode and it looked even better and it was like, I can't believe this is this good. So I'm excited. Yeah, I love it. I love everything. Welcome to the PC hype game. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm not kind of fully on board of that because I'm still, I'm, I'm still one of those people who says 30 frames per second is fine. I'm happy with it, and I will happily play any game as long as it runs at least 30 frames per second. But I'm not gonna lie, 60 frames or more is very lovely. I'm turning. It, it really is. is. It really is. It is. Yeah. So a lot of people actually don't know this, and this is the main reason for the entire podcast that we're doing today, which, by the way, we're going to get on so many <laughs> tangents. So, guys, just expect that. Okay, be prepared. Be ready and willing 
to accept anything that comes your way. Get a bulletproof vest because it's going to be crazy. Um, and also get a coffee too or a Red Bull because why not? But the main reason for this podcast is because my friend Max here, he has Asperger's and he had a great idea to do a podcast where we would talk about Asperger's in the gaming community and how it kind of affects it, what kind of stigmas are around it. And I thought, you know what? I have a degree in psychology. I do psychologically gaming stuff. I want to be able to promote more of a healthy mindset towards people who have disabilities. I wouldn't even call it a disability though, because someone who has Asperger's is under the autism spectrum, which a lot of people don't know, unfortunately. And I don't want people to think that, oh, you know, just because someone has Asperger's, it doesn't mean they're different. And that's unfortunately the stigma that comes with that. And it's it's a very unfortunate thing. But today we're going to be going over that. And the first thing that we're going to cover is kind of an explanation of Asperger's for those who don't know. And like I said, it is under the autism spectrum disorder. So, and you know, and I don't even like calling it a disorder, but that's what a lot of the health professionals want to use. So we're just going to go with that. That way I'm not misleading anybody. And there will be articles and links even down in the description below. So you guys can check out all of the resources I'm going to be putting for you guys. So basically, Whenever you meet someone with Asperger's, the symptoms start early in life. If you are a mom or a dad or a kid who has it, you may notice that they can't really make eye contact. And that's one of the things of someone who has Asperger's, if I am saying this correctly, because I know for every person who has Asperger's it is different. Maps. No, that is that is absolutely spot on. That is actually probably the most key point you could have brought up. And that is the most iconic trait for people who have Asperger's like myself is it's 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 a sad aspect of my life because there's been so many moments in the past of my life where people think i'm being rude because i'm talking but not looking but it's literally an automatic aversion so yeah no you 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 got that absolutely right that is yeah yeah, and, and another thing is that you, like, uh, for example, if a child has, or an adult, or whoever may be, has Asperger's, they seem awkward in social situations, and they don't know what to say or how to respond when someone talks to them, or they, most importantly of all, may miss social cues that are obvious to other people, but, like, body language or expressions on people's faces. For, like, for example, they may not realize when someone crosses their arms or when they scowl that they're yeah, angry, no. you know? again very 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 true it's um i consider myself fortunate because as i got older i was able to adapt and learn to pick up on these things better because i was i was lucky as i was able to become what a lot of people would call a social comedian in the sense that i can get along with almost anyone as long as it's not somebody who makes me uncomfortable as long as as long as you're somebody who seems decent and friendly, I will get along just fine with you. As I'm sure you witnessed in um, Raven's stream the other day, she said um, I can't remember exactly what you said what you said, but she said something along the lines of um, "Okami, you sound really awesome. Let's be best friends." And I was I was sitting there laughing because I was just like, "That's not the first time I've heard that in my life." I've always had people get along with me really easily and I'm very thankful that's the way it is now because that's certainly not the way it was when I was younger. But yeah, it's I was lucky to grow up and be able to 
learn to um, develop these abilities of reading social skills and cues and things. I'm st I'm still not great or anything, and I never will be, and I accept that, and that's that's the way it's going to be until the day I die. Uh, sorry for sounding grim there, but that's the truth. Like you know that that is my life, and I don't plan to hide from it or run from it. It is what it is. And it's not a grim thing. It's just it is the way it is. You know, it's kind of like saying to someone who has asthma, well, oh, I can control my breathing, but only sometimes because, you know, that's just the way I am. It's, it's kind of like people uh, would choose to kind of, you know, and it's, it's not a fault of your own, you know, for apologizing for certain things, because uh, a lot of what society does is they make the physical ailments more important than the mental ones at times. So, you know, it's, it is what it is. I mean, you know, it's, it's something that you can't control you know just the way someone can't control if they've broken their arm and it hurts yeah you know? no exactly it's um and as i mentioned before i've met um i've met a few people who i've been friends with in my life who have asperger's as well and again it's it's, it's the same for them and they like me just accepted it as well it's like they're all the same it's like this is this is my life i can't change it so why should i worry about something that can't be helped yeah yeah. And, and the other thing that um, I want to point out also about those who might not know uh, fully like what the symptoms are of someone who has Asperger's, just in case, you know, you want to interact with someone. And the thing is, is that kindness is key because it's like no matter what, no matter what disability you have, even though I don't like to categorize them as disabilities, just be kind to the person because if someone says a joke or if someone, you know, starts laughing, they might not smile right away when they're happy or if they find the joke funny, they might just speak in like a kind of a flat robotic way, if that's accurate. Because again, I know that any person who has Asperger's is not the same for one another, but there are common symptoms. There are definitely common that. symptoms. It's like, um, for me, you may have noticed and just hearing me speak for the past few minutes is that... I have a bit of a stutter. Yeah, that's that's something which happens not in every Asperger's person, but for me, the one thing I do have in common with everybody, uh, well, not every single person I've met with Asperger's, but surprisingly, it's with the males who have it because it does it does actually differ between um, male and female who have it. And men tend to speak in like a very monotone voice. And every time I hear my own voice back, I cringe because I'm like, oh, I just sound like the most boring person on the planet. So, <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, from, from my perspective, at least, you uh, sound that I'm way. really, I'm so glad to hear it because I hear my own voice and I'm like, oh, God, who is that? And I'm like, oh, it's me. Shit. <laughs> I, I've told you before, you you sound like you could be a radio broadcaster, okay? You just have that certain, like, cadence to your voice. I'm happy with that, because one of my favorite fictional characters to be, uh, to be created recently is from the show Hasbun Hotel. People who are listening may know of it. And um, hey. one of the demons in the show is based upon sort of like the 19, 1920s radio broadcasters, and he's just like... He's so fun. He's so cool. And he's my favorite character. So I'm taking that as a compliment. So, yeah, it definitely. It is. It is. And, 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 you know, to kind of wrap up the what 
I like to give people a baseline of what uh, Asperger's is. Um, a lot of people also don't know that the condition is what a lot of doctors call high functioning because Asperger's is a more higher functioning type of autism spectrum than other types of autism spectrum types of disorders. And a lot of people are like, oh, I thought it was all one thing. It's like, no, it's under this umbrella. No, yeah, exactly. Is is This is why so many kind of like medical I guess studies have always had such a hard time defining Asperger's down to one thing because, as you said, it's not like other things where you know somebody with, say, um, you know Tourette's is always sort of like around around one category. It's either like a vocal or a physical um, tick or twitch, or sometimes both. But it's always around that same thing with somebody who has Asperger's, though. It affects them in so many different ways in so many different areas. And I, I myself am diagnosed as high functioning. And this has been, this is absolutely true because every person who I've ever spoken to and told, oh, yeah, I have Asperger's, they've always said, I never would have guessed if you hadn't have told me. Whereas um, my, my best friend, Nick, he really is definitely one of my best friends. He's a brother to me. And, uh, I've known him for must be 12 years now because I met him when I was close to 12 years because I met him when I was 17 and his um his with him you can definitely tell like you wouldn't be able to probably guess he's got Asperger's but you could definitely tell that there's something different about him which is I don't like using the word different like you but it's probably the best thing to use in this term sense but Nick is definitely very different because you can just tell off the bat his social skills aren't on the same level as other people, which there's nothing wrong with that because he's one of the nicest people I've ever met. He hasn't got a bad bone in his body. And I've, I've always been proud to call him my friend and forever will. So, yeah. That's what you see. And I, and I love that. Like, like just, you know, exactly like says it right there. You know, not all people with Asperger's are, similar you know it's kind of like whenever you go to the supermarket this is probably going to be a very very bad example you know uh but not all apples that you see there are identical some might have some bruising some might be completely perfect and some might have different tinges of different types of colors you know it's, it's all a different type of variance in in a sense and I, I feel as if you know even um whenever i see the example that people only know about the spectrum because of sheldon from the big bang i was like oh so people only know about the fact that someone might have different types of social cues or even about Asperger's in general, because they've watched The Big Bang Theory. I'm like, what? <laughs> I know. It's um, it's it's funny you bring that up, both with actually Sheldon from The Big Bang Theory and the whole example of the apples thing, which actually wasn't a bad example at all. It's, it's, it's actually brilliant you bring that up, because it's... um, But yeah, like um, Sheldon from The Big Bang, he is a brilliant character, and... I don't think he was, I don't think his character was ever actually fully confirmed to have it or not, but there was heavy indications. I never finished watching the entire show. I got quite a way through it, but I, I do believe there was heavy, there was very, very heavy indications from the creators that he was supposed to be a very heavily, very highly intellectual person with possible dispurges. But um, like another one of my best friends, Steve, he, he keeps on making jokes at me saying 
you're you're fucking Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory because your your memory is insane and it's um it's true I can't deny it. my memory is insane. I was like um and I keep jabbing at Steve because his memory's awful. It's like he'll he'll open his mouth and start saying something to me and then he'll get distracted by his girlfriend and then he'll come back to me two seconds later and go, What was I saying? And I'm like <laughs> uh, I'm like, um, here, Steve. I've got them written down. How can I know if you don't? And um, I can rem- I can remember things about our friendship from when we first met, which is about seven or eight years ago. And he's like, "How the fuck do you remember that?" And I don't know. I mean, I can still re- I can still recall my very earliest memory of my entire life, which is probably from about when I was like maybe one or two, which is insane to think. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a vivid memory, and every time I bring it up, like both my mother and my sister are like, "How in the hell do you remember that so clearly?" <laughs> so, Dude, I can't even remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. <laughs> no, it's, it's it really is insane. Even even now, my head is so vivid because I can remember we were around the back garden of like a neighbor's place. They had a teepee, like an Indian tent set up, and my sister and the neighbor's daughters were running around with crutches, pretending they were guns. And me and me and the my sister's friend's father, I believe it was, it may be wrong, were inside TP pretending to be like Indians hiding from gunfire. And I can remember him opening up the door, looking out and then closing it again and looking at me and saying something like they're out there. And that's about as much as I can remember. But the fact that I can remember all of that never ceases to amaze my 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 sister, my mother and anybody else who remembers that as well. Damn. And the fact that that's that's really cool. Yeah, though. the fact that I was only one or two at the time is mental. It's just it's just goes to show you sort of like what my memory is capable of. It's why I always warn my friends if I'm ever at a party is like if you get drunk, be warned because I don't drink, so I always stay sober and I remember everything. So <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I mean, like a lot of people know here. I, I don't like you know for the majority of my audience I, that I don't drink. I stopped drinking about like what four or so years ago almost five years ago now and if you would have been at a party with me i'm the hugger type and i always don't remember whenever i hug people and people would be like ariel you hugged so many strangers i don't know what you were doing so you would have probably told me all that plus more oh i would have had a list i would have had checkpoint or even like okay first of all you hugged this person this is the time you did it then you went away, then you came back and you hugged him again, and that lasted for about 37 seconds. I- <laughs> yeah, I know, down to like the minute and time, it'd be like, you hugged this person for 5 minutes and 47 seconds, we actually had to call a cab, they were waiting, what were you doing? <laughs> but Yeah, and I'm also really brutal, so I'd also remark, you hugged this person, and I will confess, yes, it did get awkward, <laughs> yeah. but you didn't notice. Exactly, and that's the thing of where, like, I, I know that um, much like Asperger's and much like a lot of uh, kind of uh, what abnormal psychology likes to call not um i would say not confirmed it's not that it's not confirmed but it's like it's not discussed as much because unfortunately and it's something that i you know i'm i'm going to say it and a lot of people probably won't like it but a lot of colleges a lot of universities don't teach a lot of the um these types of diseases like i said even though i don't like calling them that or disorders um 
but they don't teach it just like they don't teach disassociative identity disorder. I had to go searching for that on my own to do a paper on it in college and everything. So they don't teach a lot of this kind of stuff, which is why I think that a lot of, um, a lot of psychologists and a lot of psychiatrists aren't prepared to deal with these types of patients because they're not educated on it. And if you want to get educated on it, you have to get a specialized, not a specialized degree, but you have to do your own research basically, you know, and they, if they teach it, they teach it very mildly to an extent. Yeah, no, it's, um, I do under, I do hear that myself and, um, I totally relate to that because it's kind of like, I never really hear so much about Asperger's being talked about in any kind of like medical studies or anything. I mean, I know it is constantly being looked into, but it's never like, it's never brought up. And this is going back to sort of like the example you said about the apples, like a similar thing I can say with that is it's very, very much like with apples when it comes to Asperger's one bad one can spoil the whole bunch. And I think maybe why, maybe a reason why a lot of people don't want to pay attention to Asperger's is that maybe they're actually, uh, you know, put off from it because a lot of the time Asperger's gets a bad rep and it's because of a number of things. And I apologize for saying this, but a lot of it does come from the States, America, for where you see something awful happen. I won't go into details. I know that I know there could be some sensitive people listening. I'm not saying they're going to be triggered, but you don't know who's experienced what. But anyway, something something awful happens, and then either one or two things happens in that case where the person who's done the awful thing says they've got Asperger's or they, they actually do have it, or you know, this is something that has happened in my country as well. Uh, somebody does something awful like a crime or something and they try and use Asperger's as an excuse to try and get off lighter and because of these things it um I believe it gets a bad rep and I've seen it I've seen it happen even with like social experiments I love watching social experiment uh, social experiment things on YouTube for where they get actors to play out a scene and see how regular people around them react and one I watched was where they had a uh, child actor portray a boy with autism. And they had another actor pretend to be an angry man who was getting constantly more and more angry at the child. And when he complained to one of the bystanders, the bystander, the first thing she said is that maybe he's got Asperger's or something. And the way he was acting was too far into the sort of like the depths of autism for it to be Asperger's, which I mean, it's a fair enough assumption, but it just goes to show me that not enough people really know sort of like the differences. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. It actually, it, it does hurt a little bit because even for me now, I get very nervous when I, when I, have to, when I tell certain people about me having Asperger's syndrome because I am forever worried about what kind of viewpoint they may have of it, and it's 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 an experience I've had so many times, especially when I was younger and trying trying to look for work. I was judged so much by potential employers because of it, and yeah, I've as I've told you before, my my younger days back in my mid twenties were a very rough time for me. So, yeah. 
And I'm sorry that you had to go through that because it's not it's not easy by any means because when you're a kid, you're not necessarily equipped to handle that level of not necessarily criticism, but judgment from other people. And the fact that like people don't know about autism spectrum that's not just their doing it's a lot of society and you're right when it, you know it is a lot of the the states because there is movies that don't correctly portray people on the autism spectrum they don't correctly portray a lot of it i don't see those types of movies in south korea or the uk and i think that a lot of the time entertainment goes too far because they want to show something and they don't bother to do the research so it's not offensive at all whenever you say that um, it's, you know, it, it's, it's true. And, you know, a, a lot of people who are like, you know, get, uh, triggered easily, that's on them. That's nothing to do with what you're saying. That's nothing to do with like the subject matter. They, a lot of people get nervous at times when they aren't educated on something and they don't know the facts behind it. They get nervous and they get scared and they don't really think things through all the way. So that's probably where the judgment comes from a lot of the time. Mm, exactly. I mean, it, it relates entirely to... The, the the classic age old line of uh, people are afraid of what they don't know, what they don't understand, and I think even now in the twenty first century, we're in the year twenty twenty, pushing into twenty twenty one, and okay, yeah, I can I will confess this year's been a shit year and there's been rough times for many people for all, quite a few years in some ways, but um, it's like these kind of stigmas shouldn't still be around, and it's. It's, it's unfortunate that it is. So, yeah. But going from this topic onto the next one, which I think you guys might enjoy because it'll give you guys another perspective. Actually, this segues perfectly into the next topic where we see a lot of discrimination, unfortunately, for those who have Asperger's in the gaming community. And I want to know from your perspective, what's it like having this and I hate using like disorder, condition, like all these types of words because it just kind of like brings it down to like a separation of humanity, which it's not. We're all humans. We're all people who deserve equal amounts of respect. No, please. But, uh, um, yeah. Seriously, please don't apologize. And the fact that you actually keep on changing it from disorder, disability, whatever, I actually think is brilliant because there's no one true real kind of like label for it. So the fact that you keep using different things for it is absolutely fine so you know that's absolutely fine don't apologize for it and as for sort of like my viewpoint and what it's like to have asperger's in the gaming community again it's so interesting and it's a difficult one to answer really that question because gaming is very much a massive part of my life it always has been and it was born from the fact that when i was a when i was a kid when i was a little boy I probably started serious gaming around the age of seven, which was when my mother actually probably got the first PlayStation, which she paid like £80 for, so a far cry from the £450 console we got today. Oh so, my god, that's just, I can't even think, oh god, that, that hurts. <laughs> I know, it does hurt, and she keeps on telling me that was a fortune to me back in the 90s, and I'm like, well, yeah, it was the 90s, everything was a fortune. <laughs> It's, yeah um but no. it's one of those things where like even resident evil back in the day was like 30 dollars. i wish a game were 30 dollars today oh god yeah I tell me about it i've got an old playstation one game on my shelf was still the original price of it of 39.99 oh. i'm like that's pennies oh, that's pennies <laughs> yeah, now <exactly. laughs> 
But um, yeah, gaming was born because I was, a, I was a very lonely child outside of my family. I can never, ever knock my family. My family were my saving grace as a kid because without them, it would have just been obviously, you know, soul destroying. Um, but my, my mother was fantastic. And, you know, my older sister and my older brother, you know, they were both really great as well and everything is um obviously at the time they didn't know about it because we're talking back in the 90s here i'm 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 31 now pushing 32 uh next august so you know i've i was born in 1989 and that was around the time for where i believe a spider syndrome was kind of known about but it wasn't really I I feel silly for not even really knowing when it was first discovered as someone with it. I've just never really delved into it. I've never felt the need to, but it's um I believe it was during around that time it wasn't as discussed because they didn't have much research on it. Like even multiple personality disorder, that title was changed, I believe, in the sixties to disassociative identity disorder. I think it was only like twenty or thirty some years ago they started changing around some of the titles and some of the spectrums to actually like go along with the times because they found out more and more research about it. So it's the same with um, the autism spectrum. Yeah, no, um, th- th- that, that is true. I, I do know a lot of, uh, a lot of things have been adjusted and changed over the past, I guess, couple of decades at the very least. But um, um, whenever, it, whenever it was known about, I believe, I believe it was known about in the nineties, but I wasn't diagnosed with it until I was about maybe 14 years old, I would say around that age. So it was obviously quite a while. And when I was a child, I was very, very hyperactive, very out of control. Everything my mother told me, told me not to do, I wanted to do, which I think is classic for many children. But I was even more of an extreme one. My mother, my mother's told me so many times about for when I um, threw myself off the table, expecting her to catch me. But she she kept on te- she she kept on telling me that she's not a sprinter so she was never going to make it and i basically face planted the floor and pushed um my teeth through one of my lips so <laughs> yeah that's that was just one of the many things i did as a child another one was when my sister took me to the park with her friend and when it was time to go i didn't want to leave so i ran into some bushes to try and hide i instead <laughs> ran into a tree and split my head open so yeah I I mean, it's not far off from the shenanigans that you try to pull now, but it's more so in games instead of real life. This is true. I cannot deny this fact. Um, Yeah. Um. But no, it's um. I was I was very out of control as a child, and I was also very very aggressive. And the diagnosis that I was eventually given after seeing, like maybe two or three different people and i could still i could still again with my memory in my head i could still remember walking to the offices there was a metal staircase leading up to an office with a red painted raining outside and everything and i can remember sitting on the floor playing with a deck of cards while this doctor professor whatever spoke with my mother and eventually the diagnosis i got was adhd and i was even put on ritalin for it for Oh, Quite geez. a number of years, actually, and it wasn't. That's yeah, good. it wasn't until I was probably about thirteen that my twelve or thirteen that my mother said to me, "Look, you're old, you're kind of getting to that age now where you can make your own decisions. So it's up to you if you want to keep taking it." And I said, "It's honestly depressing me, so I don't want to take it anymore." 
So I just stopped. And after that, there wasn't really any kind of like notice or difference. And again, sort of like, as I said, it wasn't until I was 14 that I got diagnosed with Asperger's. And as a kid, because of all this aggression and isolation and loneliness and everything, I spent a lot of my time indoors. Even even for when I was in school, I was that kid who liked to be in the library, seeing what books he found interesting. Or, you know, like even at lunchtime, I would eat my lunch and go to the library or go somewhere else where I could be away from other people. I never liked loud, large groups of people and never liked loud noises. And my mother got me like the PlayStation. Before that, I was even gaming on like the Commodore 64, which... Oh, I remember. You remember that. Wow. <laughs> I'm I'm impressed yeah. by that because not a lot of people know what that is. Yeah, my dad was a, a heavy gamer as well back in the day and he showed me like I think like little like photos of it or <laughs> something like that cuz he he spent most of his time like he used to build cameras back in the day uh in Taiwan and he traveled a lot and did that kind of thing so he would show me pictures of it. We don't have those pictures anymore because I think we lost him like whenever we moved and everything like that. But yeah, I remember that. That's that wow. I never thought I'd hear that name again. Yeah, no, the Commodore 64 was essentially my first actually kind of like gaming rig i suppose you could say because it was essentially a really shit pc which didn't know if it wanted to be a cassette player or a keyboard because it was essentially a cassette player and a keyboard in one and the game you know for people who don't know what the commodore 64 looks like i'll insert a picture here you're welcome look at that dinosaur yeah yeah <laughs> if you're looking at it right now it is literally it literally is what it is you can't tell if it's a if it's like a tape player or a keyboard and the games on it were fun and interesting but it was just really bad at running them you would wait 20 minutes for the game to load from the cassette then you would get about 35 minutes of gameplay before it would crash and you would have to redo it all over again starting from the beginning because save points didn't exist at this point in history well okay it's not satan it's not you know lucifer it's not any of that stuff it, that is commodore 64 that is what hell is. it is it really is but the weird thing is i've got i've still got a lot of love for it it's got a special place in my heart because i can remember sitting in my tiny box bedroom playing this thing and just loading and unloading the cartridges the, the cassettes, not cartridges, is before that. Cassettes every time they crashed. And I would do this every weekend like so for hours on end. And then obviously PlayStation came along. My mother got me that. My first two games on PlayStation 1 were um, Crash Bandicoot and Spyro the Dragon. Yes, I'm I'm a retro gamer. Call, call me old-fashioned, but it's the truth. They were my first games. And I can even remember, I didn't know how a memory card worked. I'm like, this is supposed to save my progress. How does it work? I don't know. So I love that. Oh my gosh. I remember, okay, so my first experience with a memory card was for the GameCube when I was like 10. <laughs> oh my gosh, I remember those things. And I remember losing those memory cards. And I went through an entire game without even saving. And that was Resident Evil Zero. And I was like, oh... Okay, I might as well just do this without it. And my mom was like, aren't you going to save your progress? And I was like, I don't have the memory cards. <laughs> I don't know where it is. No, for me, I was um, I, I never lost memory cards. Um, 
I actually still have the very first PlayStation memory card. It's, oh my it's, gosh, st- it's still got that. the label sticker on it with the writing of Spyro the Dragon and Crash Bandicoot, so I knew what was on it, even though at that age I couldn't read very well. But um, yeah, so that's unbelievable. That's like a monarch. You have to like save that thing. It's kind of like the Jesus toast. You have to save that. The Jesus it. toast. Oh my god, I remember that. Oh, that was insane. No, but yeah, I get it. That will definitely be in my collection for forever. So, yeah. But then, obviously, PlayStation yeah. 2 came along, and I went through that, all that as well. Like, my games on PlayStation 2 were Grand Theft Auto 3, Crash Bandicoot 3, Warped, um, you know, other things as well. I played I played the Metal Gear Solid games. I'm a huge, Kun- I w- a huge former Konami fan, still current massive Kojima fan. Just clarifying that, okay? Nice. Don't support Konami. You guys hear that? Konami, you hear that in the background? Do we need to shout it out for you? The fact that you guys need to go back to South? No, what? Who said that? I'm sorry. No, it's true. Hence why I once put out a tweet just literally saying, fuck Konami. That's it. That's the tweet. That was all I needed to say. Because otherwise, I would undoubtedly be insane and in a padded cell somewhere. But the gaming community is still something so very terrifying because there's so many communities that as we've just as we've discussed before are quite toxic and volatile and hostile and to yes. people with aspergers who are often quite peaceful and placid that is one of the most terrifying things so the gaming world to people with aspergers like myself is fantastic the gaming communities depending on which one is kind of like a walk through elm street so yeah that's how it is yeah but um, as for sort of like um, the next topic, what was it? Gaming Asperger's? Yeah, how uh, do you feel like the, the representation is of uh, Asperger's, uh, people with Asperger's in the gaming community and the gaming world? And do you think that there should be more representation? Which, in my opinion, I think there should be because I don't think there is enough. If I've got to be honest, from my own personal view, I would say there's probably not any. I don't think I've ever seen a kind of solid representation of Asperger's syndrome in anything. If there is, I've either missed it or it just wasn't really brought to enough light that it got any real recognition. So therefore I've missed it, and which obviously isn't the goal because it's supposed to be giving a representation which is supposed to garner attention. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely racking my mind here and I can't think of any kind of like example for where someone with Asperger's in the gaming world or the gaming sort of like games or whatever you want to call them, universes, yeah, universes I'll do, um, has kind of been a representation. There's, there's maybe, a, there may have been some slight nods or hints or something like, um, Oh, no, actually, I'm telling a lie, actually. No, I literally just remembered it, and it's one I'm very happy to actually talk about because ever since I discovered this, it has become she has become my favorite character from the game. And believe it or not, it is actually in Overwatch, of all games. Um, I'm, I might not be 100% accurate on this because I haven't fully looked into it, but the character of Symmetra is, I believe, meant to have Asperger Syndrome. I did not know that. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. Neither did I. Neither did I. It was apparently only very recently, like a few months back, confirmed or something around the summertime. But it was it was heavily hinted for where 
I believe it was something to do with a comic or, or something she's featured in, where she says a line. She says so. She says a line, which kind of like goes, "I have always felt I'm something to do with like the spectrum," and a lot of people clocked onto that and fi- figured it for the or, or the autistic spectrum. And wow. I believe again, it was in the summertime of this year that the developers just flat out and flat out confessed that yeah she's meant to have asperger's and um if it's true then it's fantastic because symmetra is portrayed as like that genius inventor who has created like you know that robotic arm of hers which has the ability to i guess physically control light which obviously is you know it's fantasy technology but still it's a fantastic representation and it's why she is my favorite character in the game I mean, another another reason why is because when I play as her, I'm a badass. But is you know, it's it's also the fact that she is just. If this is really true, which I will just quickly, um, it's kind of like the it's kind of like the ultimate plot twist that the one company you would have thought never to care about anything like that has the one major inclusion of a representation I love, and I'm like, huh, what do you know? But yeah, it's, 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 it's fantastic. It's so good. It's so cool that that's true. It's um yeah no nah, it's yeah it's, it feels weird to say, but well done, Blizzard, absolutely amazing job. Like Metal Gear Solid Five, there's an example. The character of Quiet, yes, there's a massive controversy around her being a hypersexualized female, which she is flat out. It's like that outfit of hers is ridiculous. It's why I give her the it's why I give her the jumpsuit, which you can unlock in my version of the game because it just she looks she looks better with it. But throughout the throughout the whole game, she's portrayed as this character with these monstrous abilities which allow her to run super fast and decimate anybody she fights against. But there's also moments in the story with her for where we're meant to like feel sorry for her because she's more of a victim or something. Or because she's like still a human at her heart, and I'm like, why is this being represent represented for when it's an impossibility in the laws of reality and physics? And yeah, yet, exactly. yeah, and yet people with you know disabilities, be it physical or mental, don't get any representation at all. I mean, the only yeah. other kind of main character with a disability that comes to my mind is the character of Oracle. Uh, which is um, Batman's assistant and assistant in the in the Batman games, who is in the wheelchair, but she's only in the wheelchair because she was shot in the spine by Joker, and she was paralyzed from the waist down. So, you know, yeah, it's a form of representation, but it's like it's still not quite enough to me. It's and I don't think we're going to see there being enough of a representation for disabilities, handicaps, differences, whatever you want to call it, in the gaming world for quite a long time. It's going to take a while before we get there. The way that you mentioned that actually made me think of um, one other thing. Actually, there is one other brand. Well, not brand. Actually, they have become somewhat of a brand ever since the game's released early on. um, That has put in representation, and I forgot about this until you mentioned the thing with uh, Sumatra, that Fallout 76 recently put in, in like, you know how you can get like break rooms and you can customize all the different types of stuff in Fallout 76? Apparently, they put in now wheelchairs for disabled players. 
Ah, yes, I did actually see this, um, which is strange because I don't pay any attention to Fallout 76. Anybody who's seen me on Twitter will know I've got a very strong viewpoint on that particular game. I, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, same. I will be one of the first people to like hold on my hands and confess, yes, they've improved it and they fixed a lot of stuff, which is good on them, but my argument will always be those problems shouldn't have been there from the beginning to start with anyway. So, you know, but that's another thing entirely. I did see this whole thing about the wheelchairs, which is, it's nice and everything, but it's like, are they there for the actual characters to use? Like, or is it just purely aesthetically? That's what I'm wondering too. Because, and again, actually you've now reminded me of this before, of this as well, because this cropped up before, I believe, again, earlier this year with Animal Crossing, is that because people were complaining that you could have wheelchairs in the game world, but no one could ever actually use them. They were literally decorations. So, yeah, again, it's inclusion, but it's not representation. Exactly. I mean, like, for example, I know this is probably silly to say, but I want to see a game character have asthma. I, I want to see someone whipping out that inhaler and using it in a game. Like, if if a character runs too much and they have an asthma condition, I want there to be an option where I can reach into my knapsack and get my inhaler out. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, in my memory, the closest character you've got to something like that is in a game called Dark Dreams Don't Die, to where there's this really creepy dude who keeps on having these weird spasm attacks, and then he takes a breath of, like, an inhaler, which, gives, which protrudes some kind of red mist. And it calms him down. Oh. Um, but then it turns out it wasn't actually like asthma or anything. It was some kind of body enhancing drug. So, yeah. Oh, I know. Listen, guys, we don't inhale red mist. That's a myth, okay? <laughs> yeah. Although, oh, that's, that's although for you in the hipster community, there's still speculation whether or not if yours just has coffee in it or not. We still don't know. There I I can I can actually say that that is not true. Um, theory is debugged. I I tried to get that done, but you know I had to sign an NDA. There was a whole big process I had to go through if I wanted to do that, and I'm just too lazy. I don't want to do that. Oh, I haven't I haven't signed an NDA since I signed up for the, um. Oh, the other side. The other thing? side. That was it. The other side closed beta. Yeah. I was sworn to secrecy. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> See, my memory isn't that bad. I remember that. You remembered it better than I did. I was like, I couldn't remember if it was Otherworld or Other Side. And then, and then my mind just went, oh, shit. I'm so excited. I'm so ready. And sp speaking of games, by the way, we're going to be going into the last part of this podcast right now. It's unfortunate because we, I, I'm looking at the time right now and I'm like, that can't be the actual time. It doesn't feel like that, that late right now. It's like 12, 18 p.m. Whoa. Um, but... We are going to be discussing what your pick of Game of the Year is. I know you're going to say The Last of Us Part 2, aren't you? That's it. Stream's over. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> but no, when you left actually the Joystick Awards during the stream that I was having, they said for Game of the Year for the Joystick Awards was Last yeah, of Us. Yeah, I, I heard. I heard. And I'm honestly, I'm honestly <laughs> not surprised, but I'm not really happy about it. And I'm probably going to get some stick for this. I've already been attacked numerous times on Twitter because of my views. Also being called a fraud because of it, which is weird because people who commit fraud 
do it to gain something and I have absolutely nothing to gain from giving a negative review. Yeah, they're using the word wrong. <laughs> You're using the word word wrong, exactly. If you're gonna insult me, at least try and use a word that's actually an insult. Um yeah. Anyway, so as many people know, my view my views in The Last of Us I actually hundred percent honest, which is that I don't hate the game and my score is the same as Angry Joe, believe it or not. Like I checked out several reviewers who gave it scores, and each one gave different things. But um, my 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 score matches the um, YouTuber Angry Joe, which is a, it's a six out of ten. And I don't hate the game. I had a fun time playing it, but with the com- complex problems that rose in the story, like you know the the weird feeling that it felt like one half was written by one group of people, the other half by another the the insane amount of characters who were new that had no screen time and not enough for me to wind up giving a shit about them is just like i i got confused i got lost i can i can i can remember a scene for where they open the body bag and it's supposed to be somebody that is meant to be a surprise or something and i can remember looking at the character's body in the bag and i'm like who is that I generally don't remember. So, yeah. So, yeah. I. Yeah, and that's that's a bone that I have to pick with it too because one of the writers on it, and actually I believe they did have multiple writers for the game. One of them uh, did the story for Westworld, and she she's a fantastic writer. You know, she probably did the only good parts of the writing in the game because her writing I've I've you know seen is fantastic. But there were so many different points of the game of where like even the inclusion in that game of different races. It was not good. Like the only person who was Asian in was, the game was Jesse, yeah, and who was he was yeah he was my favorite character. For me, he was he was more annoying than anything because, and it's literally because they didn't utilize him or anything. Like after after Joel's death, spoiler alert if you haven't heard, but if you haven't heard yet, and you're either deaf or living under a rock. Anyway, yeah, after <laughs> after after <laughs> sorry. After Joel's death and Jesse makes this appearance in the scene which was used as the um, misdirection in the trailer, which is true. Seriously, it is true. Yeah, um, true. I was expecting them to now have this part for Jesse was now going to take the place of Joel. Like, and he kind of does actually for, for a couple of hours of the game. In a way, But yeah. then he suddenly just gets shot and I realize this character is nothing more than a sperm donor for the sake of one of these lesbian characters to be pregnant. And and that's the thing of where, like, I feel like they could have done so much more with it. Like, the, I feel like, and, and this is my opinion, because, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, I don't own a PlayStation. I've never played the game. I saw the entire walkthrough that Jacksepticeye did. Um, I honestly, like, there were parts of the game where it was so emotionally draining for me that I had to just turn it off. I've never had to do that with a video before of where I just had to turn it off, especially when Joel died. I was bawling my eyes out the entire time. Like, I, I was a crying mess. And then whenever um, Jesse died, I was thinking, I literally said out loud, you were the only human character of the game who had any sort of, like, human variance of emotion and you were pessimistic and you were a good balance why did they kill you i know exactly and it's funny you bring that up because for me the joel's death 
was actually funny enough. It was it was the scene in the game for where I was starting to think that maybe maybe I was wrong about this being a bad game or believing it to be a bad game because before I played the game, before I had it delivered, um, I watched uh, the review by Skillup, if you know that YouTuber, and um, his review was so very critical to the point for where I'm pretty sure Naughty Dog is never going to let him have an early copy of one of their games again. But um, oh, it was geez. so critical. And after, like, he was completely spoiler-free, so he respected the wishes of everything or, uh, of everything there was. But, like, I remember the words he said, which was that it was a chore to go through this game and I did not have a good time doing it. And I sat, I sat there oh, thinking, it honestly can't be this bad because... I I avoided the spoilers as much as possible until obviously we had that mishap in your street. Won't name names, but it did happen. I will never <laughs> forgive that person. I was so pissed. That was the first time you saw me. Like yeah, that. even I was, I was like, "Oh fuck, she's really raging." Wow. <laughs> so yeah, but um, it wasn't that I was yelling. It was more just in the no. Yeah, I was just like, yeah. I could yeah. I could see you were raging, and I was like, "Damn, that's some that's some visualization, definitely." Um. But no, yeah, like I've I've got no grudge against that person. Like it happens, all right. It was just, it was a slip, but any is yeah, like it was spoiled, and I was like, okay, I'm kind of like, you know, maybe it could have been seen, but even after watching Skillet's review, I was like, it can't be that bad. And then after playing it and going through it, I'm like, it was that bad. It's just it's but it. And I and on top of that, there wasn't representation for African Americans. Like you know, in the first game, you had that representation, but in the second one, what happened? Where where are the people of color? Yeah, no, exactly. And like those two characters in the first game, those that brother duo was so well done. Like the actors who played him was so brilliant. Like I don't, not many people notice, but in the scene for where um, I believe the older brother's name is Sam or. I, there may be the younger brother. I, it's been a long time since I played through it, but the older brother, he's crying after shooting his his little brother from being infected, and he looks at Joel. He says, "What have you done?" But not many people realize that he wasn't saying, "What have you done to Joel?" He was saying it to himself because he's just realized he's just gunned down his little brother, and it's such a minute detail to see that it's easily missable, and many people did, but. It's just one of the many things that made the first game fantastic, and yet we don't see that in the second game, along with representation of other characters. Like, like as you said, the only Asian character we have is Jesse, aside from that one girl who's playing on the PS Vita, which Ellie then knifes in the throat. So she, her her five minutes of fame was very short lived. But and, yeah, and so not just that; it was the the inclusion of transgenders as well that was triggering for a lot of people actually because um I remember seeing through what was it the the playthrough and the part oh gosh I'm forgetting her name my apologies but I am forgetting the the person's name what the what the 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 transgender character yeah Lev Lev that's it that's it you know that she you know she still called her a she instead of a he yeah and that and i thought oh god this is going to be really triggering for a lot of people in the transgender community and it was it was upsetting for so many people and i thought you know a video game is supposed to be kind of an escape for people to enjoy and yes there are real world issues that are brought into it but it's never supposed to harm the mentality of someone especially in the lgbta uh, q plus community 
Agreed. I don't think that that was a good move on Naughty Dog's part to bring such a traumatic thing to someone who was going through a transition, uh, transition, excuse me, um, from someone who was female to male. Yeah, no, it's it, it really is, and I do agree with it. And for me, my, my whole take on that transgender part, it was that it wasn't needed, and it also shouldn't have been there. And it, and I may get some stick for this as well, but this is just me being honest. If you look at the world of the Last of Us, of the Last of Us, it's a post-apocalyptic world for where a fungus that literally turns people into frenzied, seemingly immune to pain monsters that just want to do nothing but tear living people, like you know, regular humans to pieces and eat them and and infect the rest. Along with like humanity is down to a minute number, and people are living in these tiny little groups of where they're surviving and in the case of um the scars which is what the which is what lev was a member of it's a cult which i don't doubt would happen in reality if such a thing were to happen like it would happen it's what humans do but even so in that whole situation i think somebody in that world would look around and just be like there's there, there's monsters eating people and affecting them there's humans still trying to kid each other, despite the fact it's the dumbest thing to do. And we're all struggling for survival. And I'm just thinking anybody in that situation wouldn't worry about what their true gender is. Because the first the first and foremost focus would be just surviving. So I think it was just a very, like, not wrong representation of transgender, but it was just, like, very bad timing i guess maybe i don't know it just didn't make any sense to me and i felt for lev i really did because this character is a character who went through trauma but it just wasn't needed and i felt it was too much of the focus and eventually it just kind of like it did this whole like 360 loop where it went around from it being sort of like ellie and joel to now it being um, I can't remember the muscular the muscular girl's name now. <laughs> Amber, that's it. Yeah, um, it being Amber and Lev, like Amber and Lev with the new Eddie and Joel, and I'm like, this is not what anybody wanted, not what the fans were expecting. It's not what anybody ever would have wished for, and it's just it's it was a whole shambles. It's it it had a lot of good efforts, but it just didn't do enough for me. Especially that assault scene with Amber and that one guy, Dylan. That just sat with me the wrong way and made me feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> and it wasn't even an assault. That's what I call it. That's what it looked like. That's what I felt like. It was It was a, a, a scene of the romantics bullshit. That was not romantic. I think that was, every that was person who played the game, even the ones who loved it and say it's the game of all, it's the greatest game of all time, will say that that scene was just unnecessary. At the very, at the very most, they should have just panned the camera off so you know what was happening, but you didn't see it. Yeah, that was it. Was just awkward. I was watching Jack Septic's face when he was playing through it, and I was like, even even this guy is just like, um, are they? I know exactly. Us right now? I I have a strong stomach, and I'm not saying it made me sick, but it even made me uncomfortable. I was just like, this is so weird, even for like video game levels are weird it's just like why like who sat there and said this is a good idea i feel bad for the actors who who had to mocap that scene 
I just, it was all motion capture, oh, so Jesus you know Christ. the actors were just like dry humping one another during the filming. Oh god, that's gonna stick with me. I didn't even uh, think about that. Oh no, that's the that's sad. That is that's really like okay. That no Neil Druckmann, I oh, uh uh-uh. no no. I've I've got a lot of praise for Druckmann and a lot of respect for him because he's made so many great games and obviously. He's the one who obviously birthed The Last of Us Part One. Him and the team that did it before. It was a great, it was a great effort, and it paid off. But it's just like after this, I haven't lost all respect for him, but I've just, I've definitely lost my trust. I'm now very nervous about what they will want to do in the future. So yeah, that's The Last of Us Part Two for me. And again, as I said before, I don't hate it. I. I will say it's a fun game. If you like action games, play for it once. That's what it's worth. But it's a 6 out of 10 because it is, without a doubt, the most graphically advanced game at the time when it came out. Like, you know, it, it, generally, it generally looked like a PlayStation 5 game running on a PlayStation 4. And the animations, the acting, it was all so good and so well done. The story definitely just, it cuts the score short. So, you know, and unlike what that frump of a moron on Twitter said to me, story is a secondary bonus. It's not. No, it's not. It's not. No. No. No, I'm sorry. Nope. Nope. As somebody who used to do head writing at a game company, it's not. Okay, get your facts. Oh, of course. That's right. You did that. Yeah. So you've got the first hand experience. So, yeah, if, 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 if you're saying it's not, then that's, that's all the proof I, I think anyone would ever need so yeah it's so funny because a lot of people put gameplay before and don't get me wrong gameplay is just as equally important as story writing but without the story writing you you just have a shooter no no offense. exactly uh, actually sorry not sorry sorry not sorry <laughs> yeah no of course but it is true it's why the original final fantasy 7 is still widely loved today people still oh, love absolutely. playing it and it's got some of the shittest graphics you will ever see like two, like, <laughs> like, little cute. like yeah, like two D backgrounds with characters that for some reason reason have ham on the bone for arms, and yeah, it's it's but the story is without a doubt one of the most phenomenal stories ever made. Hence why it's gone down in history as one of the most loved games and still is, and people still happily play for it. You see, now you know my feelings. Like the way you feel about The Last of Us Part Two, th- now you know how I feel about The Evil Within Two. <laughs> it's exactly the same way. Like I, I, they could have done so much better with that story. And you know, it's interesting because it's like now that Xbox bought Bethesda, I feel like there might be a, a Last of Us, not Last of Us, um, what is it, an Evil Within Part Three, because they left on a cliffhanger. So if you ever get the chance to play, now that you, I, I believe they have it on the PS. Five. I'm not sure. I am. Um, I am playing through the. I am playing through the first one. I have it on PlayStation Four, so I'm playing through the first one and I'm having a good time. So far, I'm up to the point for where I'm in like this creepy ass village and there's a load of people with barbed wire trying to kill me. And I've. Oh my god! You're in like the very I, beginning. It is. It is the very beginning. I found something. <laughs> I found something very big and very angry trapped behind a barn door, and I'm like, I don't want to meet it, but this is the game, so I know I'm going to have to at some point. So yeah. Um, oh, okay. I know which one you're talking about. Okay, so you're okay. So you're at like the beginning point of where like, I'm just. Gonna, it's not a spoiler. I'm just going to say his name. It's the main character, Ruvik, the best antagonist you will ever meet in a horror game. 
Oh, in the horror game, I'm glad you put that in because I was going to say I've met some fantastic game antagonists in the games I played. So, yes, but I'm it's, now very excited. Yeah, this antagonist, like, it's it's a very good. Like, okay, so when I played The Evil Within, the first one that came out in 2013. I never realized how much I needed this game in my life. This filled like a horror psychological void that I was missing. But the last question that I want to ask of this podcast is, what is your pick for this year? Since, since the Game Awards are actually coming up, which I will be reporting on, I'm very excited about this, a little bit too excited. What is your pick for Game of the Year 2020? As horrible as this, this year has been, we've had some pretty amazing games. Believe it or not, I actually have two. Two? Okay. Mm-hmm. One of them is one that cropped up earlier, believe it or not, and it is actually Other Side. Oh, okay. I see, I see. Yeah, and the reason why Other Side is one of them is because it's it's, it's very much heavily a personal thing, but I just love everything about it. It's that dark, gloomy, kind of like corrupted universe that pulls you in and doesn't let you go. And as twisted as it all is, you're roped into it and you don't want to get out. It's just hooked you in. It's hooked me in and I am loving it. And it's it's a fucking hard game. I'm not going to lie. It, it looks it. it. It really looks it. It pulls no punches. It even gives you a warning before you start playing the game. It basically says you're going to fail and you're going to have to keep on retrying. But we just basically say keep going and eventually you'll get there good luck <laughs> that is literally what the wow. warning says um <laughs> and a- again this this game i know it's a good one because it inv- it invokes my empathy it invokes my connection to characters in the game which is why i know it's a really good game because going back to the last of us part 2 that game didn't invoke any major empathy or any connections in me to any of the characters this game does, and the characters aren't even fully kind of like formed and built in characters with stories and voice actors. And um, yeah, the daughters are only like mainly ideas and concepts to an extent. Exactly. Yeah, kind of. But I still get attached to them. Like I like like I'm assuming you've looked up a little bit about it. But as you said, there's there's these characters. They're the daughters, and you essentially use them to fight, and you've got to look after them. But it's painful because um this isn't a spoiler or anything you get taught about this very early in the game but um if you play it on the normal um level of challenge uh the only way to heal one of your daughters is to sacrifice another's life force into them exactly yeah and i'm like i don't want to do that though it's just so painful and i find my heart like wrenching in my chest every time i create a new one just to sacrifice her to heal one of the others and i'm like she'll be remembered and every so often i go to like the graveyard menu yeah you've got a graveyard menu for all the daughters that have died i love that i, love that. I go to the graveyard menu i look at their names and i'm like oh they, they died for a good reason that's a great concept i don't think that's really ever been done in a turn-based style game like no that. it hasn't which is why other side is one of my two picks for the game of the year 2020 for me because it's just it was it's a real-time strategy which has been done countless times before but it's it's so powerful and kind of like the emotions it can invoke in you and it is such a challenge that that like like no offense to people out there but you really do need a brain to make it through this because i'm struggling to get through it and people say i'm a genius i don't reckon i am but you know 
it's just it's i'm having a blaster anyway i love it i absolutely love it to death it's my personal pick of the year but i the other one the one i think is the true like you know deserver of game of the year title is and i'm sure you can guess what this is it is none other than ghost of tsushima oh yeah, yeah. that was an amazing game I, I i remember seeing that and seeing the um what is it all of the things that they put into that game and the the imagery everything it's just absolutely incredible yeah no hands down and sucker punch just kind of like they knocked it out of the park i mean and it, it was a stealth attack in my eyes because we we all knew what ghost of Tsushima was about from the teaser trailers they did but we only saw recent like gameplay about four or five months before the release date and it looked good, but none of us could really tell if it was going to be as good as it looked until we got it. And again, again, I will confess it has its flaws. Like it is a bit kind of like repetitive. There's a lot of stuff that happens and repeats, but at the same time, it never fully got boring. Combat is without a doubt some of the best combat I've ever seen in any game so well done oh, i've seen the combat it looks so good yeah it is so well done the photo mode as you've seen from things i've sent you is so fun to play around with like you get these animations for killing moves and you can freeze time and then you can film the camera with music playing in the background and i'm just like i love this this is so brilliant and the characters everything about them was kind of like just so well done all the characters were good um the the main antagonist Colton Khan was a bit of the same old same old kind of antagonist like he's just a massive dick and everybody knows it but he does he does it well because he and me as a player he invoked that rage in me that anger I felt I felt hatred for this character and I felt a drive of wanting to be him. So I got immersed in the whole role of playing as Jin Sakai. And then the ending, I won't give away any spoilers, but the ending was just so, so heavy and so deep. It was just so, so good. And then of course they've now gone and done all of this extra free content, free multiplayer, free new classes and multiplayer, a whole brand new new game plus mode with entirely new content for you to unlock so it makes playing through it a second time worthwhile this is all stuff that any other company ea cough cough would charge for and sucker punch are giving it out for free and i'm sitting here and i'm just like these guys have just been like they have taken the leaf from cd project red's book and just decided like you know what we wouldn't be here without the gamers supporting us so let's do something good for them and for me, in my eyes, Ghost Tsushima as a breath of fresh air in the game world for like story-driven action open-world games, and for just being as quality, as great quality as they are, Tucker Punch and Ghost of Tsushima takes it for me. It's just wow. yeah, that's, I that's mean, amazing. Again, yeah, yeah, again, again, I will confess, I'm I'm expecting it to go to the Last of Us Part Two just because of how many people. I think are kind of like blindly saying it's the best game of all time. And it wouldn't surprise me if it does, but you know, Ghost of Tsushima is getting the recognition it deserves. And that for me as a fan of it is enough. I completely agree with that. I mean, I was mulling over which ones I would pick and everything like that. And I have two picks as well. Um, the first one is Amnesia Rebirth because that game brought back so many memories. It brought back so many, just invoked so many feelings of the original 
uh, you know, amnesia games. And I thought, you know what? These are absolutely incredible. I don't know if Rebirth can match up. And it did. It made me absolutely fall in love with the franchise again. It created new monsters. It created these kind of like Bloodborne-esque characters that looked so it just it, it they looked so mesmerizing it's so beautiful and yet so creepy and dark at the same time the character made me actually feel for her it made me really just like feel empathetic towards her like you know she she's carrying a baby while she is trying to find her way back to her people while suffering amnesia you know it really was absolutely Car incredible to see carrying a baby and so I she's pregnant Oh wow! Yeah, she's that is that game. is a very bold main character role to give. That is brilliant, though. Yes. So yeah. Yeah, and while she's going through this transformation of trying to decide, do I sacrifice my humanity in the process and and, and give and like take Vite from people so my daughter can live? Or do I just go about see what happens? And and there are three endings that you can get. Um, you can either save yourself and your daughter, and you can go and you can you know uh, go back to Paris and you can find a doctor for her to heal her condition, or you can give you can give her to the um, ethereal esque alien person, which is the one that I got at first that I didn't know that she was actually going to use her Vide for bad. <laughs> but you can actually like give her over because you're starting to become like more of like the harbinger, kind of like this creature that Amnesia is famous for, right? So you can be that ending or you can just basically destroy the entire planet. You can destroy you and your child in the process of destroying everything that was evil. And that's kind of like the um, the the iconclast ending, if I'm pronouncing that word correctly. Um, but yeah, those are the three endings that you can get. It's a very good game. The other one, which I think you can probably guess as well, Ori and yeah, the, of the Wisps. No. Neither of game. these, neither incredible, of these games surprise me coming from you at all. I know how much you love both of them. Yeah, yeah. Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Not only is the soundtrack beautiful, um, I cried like a baby <laughs> <laughs> when it came to the ending. It was so incredible to see um, the artwork, the continuation of the story, the way that this, the the character of Ori. Spoiler alert! If you guys haven't played it yet, sorry, not sorry, but the way that Ori literally goes and sacrifices himself for the betterment of his community so that the world can be whole again and he turns into the very thing that he was trying to find he is the spirit for the spirit tree and he goes and it turns into like this kind of um oh what's the term it's a term of philosophy called aristotelian unity where the same place that you start is the same place that you end so it's very much like that and i think that this game deserves game of the year so much because there's so much work there's so much love that goes into it it's a microsoft exclusive so if you guys ever get the chance to play it i would highly yeah i had the it. first one on steam and the second one has access to on the xbox games pass so i am due to play both of them oh yeah. very nice i will say you will curse a lot because <laughs> you are there is a lot of dying going on uh, no, games, yeah but a lot of the power there's a, a lot of the powers that you have from the first game, they get transferred over to oh, the second Oh, wow. Game. Okay, cool, cool. But yeah, no, I've I've seen some of the gameplay, and it reminds me a lot of um the very first Rayman game back on PlayStation. So, yeah. yeah. It's like um, um, a friend of mine on Twitter, um, her name is Chloe, and she posted a clip of her favorite level for where 
it looks like something's rising up from the bottom. I think it's a flood, and you have to keep on climbing up and up and up. And yeah, yeah. yeah and that, that was... just took me back to Rayman One on the PlayStation One because that's exactly what happens in that game, and I can remember raging as a kid, like fuck, fuck, fuck. Well, I wasn't swearing as a kid. I was like, no, so, but yeah, no. That 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 part of the game, I I think I went through like five times, maybe like five tries, and there are certain parts of the game of where you will find certain bosses easier to defeat than others, and it will surprise the living daylights out of you because you'll be like, um, this was supposed to be more complicated <laughs> than I thought. So you you'll once you get hang of the controls and everything like that, it becomes so fun. The ugh, the water animations, please don't even get me started on the water graphics. <laughs> so that's beautiful. that's gonna be interesting to see because so far the best water graphics I've ever seen in the game is even without a doubt Sea of Thieves. Oh, it's so okay when you go into a certain part of the game, you'll know what it is. There's a waterfall that's in Ori and the Will of the Wisps, and when Ori goes back and forth in between the waterfall, it's just the most wholesome, well done, textured work in a video game i've ever seen for a platformer and it's just excellent oh, so i'm definitely looking forward to it then it's on my, it's, it's on my list of many games yeah. to play i've got one like yours you know so yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. oh yeah no <laughs> the, the never-ending bible of games that you have sent me that people have sent me that i have just been holding on to and playing through and hence why i'm playing currently three games and i right will now. continue to send you more don't worry about that I did, oh, you guys are going to break me on stream again. I know it. Uh, <laughs> but Max, I really appreciate you coming onto this podcast with me. I hope you enjoyed yourself. That wasn't too much. No, of no, it's been absolutely time. fantastic. I do have one more question for you for myself, if I may. Absolutely. How are you finding Assassin's Creed Valhalla as your first Assassin's Creed experience? As my first Assassin's Creed experience, there's a lot that I, I needed to research. I needed to understand what the story was. <laughs> and now that I, I know the background, I know <laughs> everything that's going on. It's one of the best like open world games I've ever played. Like seeing Assassin's Creed Valhalla, the way that they're incorporating the Norse mythology, which um, if you guys don't know, I'm big into Norse mythology, uh, which actually is how me and Max became friends because he commented on my Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice uh, uh, gameplay. And That's right, I, yeah. Yeah, I got so into that game because of my love of Norse mythology and my love of psychology as well. But going into this game seeing how they're incorporating everything, the open world aspects, how grindy it is, because I love grindy games. The story itself is just so good. Like, I, I'm already starting my review on it, because right now I'm currently on chapter 15, going on to 16, and it's a long game. Don't get me wrong, like, you cannot beat this game in, like, just a couple of days. You need to take, like, a week and really go through it and, like, go through everything. If you were to sit down and go through every single mission, every single adventure that's in the game you could easily spend over 100 hours on this game easily so it's it's a it's an adventure it's something that i would highly recommend for people who are just getting into assassin's creed because it's a broad enough storyline that there's not like you wouldn't have to have played one assassin's creed game in order to enjoy this one i think so with this one it was well worth the 60 dollars that i paid for it so it's it is yeah like um that is something you, you ubisoft has done quite well in that in these later these more recent entries into the franchise they have made it very accessible for newcomers to the game, which I think is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. It'll I be mean, interesting. The... To... Oh, no, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how you react with Black Flag because Black Flag is 
similar but at the same time plays out kind of different and you'll see what i mean when you play it interesting okay because i'm really eager to play that one as well black flag i mean pirates anything give me all the pirates i love pirates but whenever oh. i see like anything that you know they're they're doing in the game right now with um valhalla and even when like it comes down to the little minor things like the language or the uh the country of ravensthrope like they're nailing down the history so well in this game that's why it's um, it's so good like if it were if it were to come out like earlier in the year this would have been my game of the year hands down <laughs> yeah no i agree i agree with that it's, it's the same with cyberpunk 2077 it's coming out so near the end of the year it's being absolutely fantastic and i'd be delighted to join you again for any other future podcasts you'd be happy to invite me to absolutely yes absolutely indeed and it's been so much fun getting to know the world of asperger's a little bit more to know more of the spectrum and to know about what your experience has been with it so i really appreciate that always happy to shed light on it always thank you for doing this and if you guys like our faces and what we do well we can't show our faces right now because this is a podcast hello but if you guys like my face and what i do please be sure to subscribe and for those of you who are listening on youtube hit that bell down below because i make content every monday wednesday and friday and as always stay casually nerdy Sub i will see you subscribe. guys in subscribe to yeah. her subscribe <laughs> to her do it or i will hunt you down it'll be like a viking just pillaging raiding looting all of that i stuff. will pillage your pc that's what i will do pillage your pc for more good games <laughs> exactly but you guys stay casually nerdy and i will see you all in the next one peace